Hey everybody, this is Jeremy. We are doing something a little bit different on the podcast today. I'm going to play a section of a conversation that I had with Jackson Washburn, a young Latter-day Saint apologist. We have had some dialogue here recently where I asked him some questions and he asked me some questions, and we are just going to release each uh, question as its own episode here on the podcast, so that way you can consume it a little bit at a time. The first three episodes we release with uh, these conversations will be Jackson asking me three questions, and the next three episodes will be me asking him three questions about his beliefs. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. If you have any questions or comments, please be sure to reach out to us. If you are a subscriber, uh, please make sure that you give us a like on whatever uh, platform you're using to subscribe to us, leave a rating, uh, leave a comment, do all that stuff that helps us. Uh, that would be great. We appreciate it very, very much. We hope you have a good and godly day. Moving on to the to the second question. I love um, this question. You, this is a great yeah. question. Yeah, thank you. Um, so you would identify as a Trinitarian Christian. Uh, you would affirm the, the Trinity and Orthodox view of the Trinity. Um, and small o, Orthodox, I should mm-hmm. say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, uh, so do you believe that if you spoke with the historical Abraham, Moses, David, or other biblical persons, this is kind of just uh, a, maybe a more fun hypothetical question, but mm-hmm. if you spoke with other biblical persons or authors of scriptural texts in the Hebrew Bible, um, do you think that they would, you know, uh, essentially share your same theological worldview? Uh, do you believe that ancient Jews would generally accept the teaching of the Trinity and the Hebrew Bible alone? Uh, or does one require a familiarity with the New Testament uh, and its text to accurately understand and find the Trinity in previous scripture? Um, so, you know, essentially as a Trinitarian, um, do you, A, uh, see the Trinity in the, the Hebrew Bible? And B, uh, is the Trinity something uh, that is... Um, uh, I, I guess, can it be expressed through the Hebrew Bible alone? Is it something that we can just deduce through those scriptural texts, or does it require the lens of the New Testament? And, you know, is there a Christological uh, implication there as well? Sure. Um, could you perhaps put a little more meat on the term theological worldview? Kind of dress that out a little bit more. When you ask, um, would okay. uh, Abraham, Moses, David agree with my theological yeah. worldview? Yeah. So I guess, um, I and I don't mean um, explicitly like were, you know, was Abraham and Moses a you know Protestant Reformed Evangelical Christian, <laughs> right? I think we would okay, both good. agree that they weren't, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think I think fundamentally, um, what do you think if you had a conversation with them uh, that they would find? your theology at least compatible with theirs right um and i i'll use the example of uh, traditional christianity and mormonism uh as as an instance of you know two theo- theological worldviews that i think we would both agree with their uh views of who god is and how you know humanity re- relates to god uh are incompatible with each other mm-hmm. um they ontologically define god differently and, you know, I don't think that uh, there, there could be a one-to-one equivalence or any kind of reconciliation there without, you know, uh, jettisoning one or the other, right? right. But I, I, I guess uh, fundamentally, um, do, you, do you think 
you know, these biblical authors or, or ancient Israelites would um, uh, see the God that you worship as ontologically, you know, different and incompatible with the one that they worship? Or, you know, would there be a degree of compatibility there? Gotcha. Yeah. So um, just in short, to answer the question, just to kind of um, show my hand as to where I'm starting from. Yeah. They would, Abraham, Moses, David, those guys find my theology compatible with theirs. Uh, yes. And mm-hmm. now here's a really long answer. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's fine. Uh, so at the core of all this is the idea of progressive revelation, uh, the mm-hmm. idea that God didn't reveal the whole Bible in one shot. He didn't reveal everything in one shot, but through yeah. the course of time, revelation took place. Revelation is just by nature, it is absolutely um, in submission to time. It doesn't mm-hmm. exist outside of time in the human experience because humans exist mm-hmm. within inside of time. Um, so Christians today on this side of the completed canon, we have to you know, recognize as Christians that we know more about God and man than mm-hmm. man did 4,000 years ago Yeah, by nature of progressive revelation. Yet at the same time, God's revelation to man has always been sufficient for life and for godliness, though mm-hmm. the level of knowledge has been different. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, it's a really fun conversation to have. Um, and uh, it's something not a lot of Christians have thought through, but that his revelation has always been sufficient, though the level of knowledge has not always been the same. And so, for instance, I, I want to read, a, there are a few different passages I want to read just to kind of point to where I get my theology on this. And uh, one of them is from Eph- Ephesians 3, and I'm just going to read the first seven verses here yeah. as Paul explains this very thought. He says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the spirit to be specific that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ through the gospel of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. So that aspect of uh, this is in verse five, other generations didn't know, uh, but now, at this time, God has used holy apostles and prophets, Paul is saying, um, to declare something that they didn't know. And, mm-hmm. and that is, uh, you know, essential to this whole conversation. Uh, another one is in First Peter 1, 10 through 12. Uh, Peter said, as to the salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things, which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. So, on the one hand, Peter is saying everyone who wrote inspired scripture had the spirit of Christ in them, which mm-hmm. is an interesting phrasing. It's only the, the uh, it's one of two times in the New Testament where spirit of Christ is used. 
and they were able to understand that Christ was coming. And yet, they also understood through Revelation that they were not serving themselves because they would have no experiential knowledge of this Christ who is coming. Instead, they were serving those in the future who would experience more and in turn know more through the incarnation of Christ. So um, kind of all that I just wanted to lay out there is just the, the basis for what I'm about to say next. That's, that's half of my answer. So I don't have like 10 more minutes, so don't worry. Uh, but uh, as we apply this idea to the doctrine of the Trinity, the big idea for me is that in the Old Testament, the Trinity is implied. And in the New Testament, the Trinity is explicitly taught. There's an implication mm-hmm. versus uh, explicitly taught aspect going on as uh, we see references to uh, mystery in the New Testament, that the Trinity would, you know, in, in large, in a large part, kind of fall into that category. Um, I think of Paul's, what Paul wrote at the very end of Romans, he says, now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifested, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all the nations, leading to the obedience of faith, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be the glory forever. That's how he ended that letter. And I see in that an aspect of um, the fullness of truth was hidden, but now has been revealed through the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so in the, in the New Testament, we see that uh, the incarnation is interpreted as God in flesh, though God did not cease to exist in heaven and God did not cease to exist as his spirit, um, that there were three persons who all had full deity, and yet there was only one God that's very clearly uh, stated in the New Testament. But if we think back to the Old Testament and out of the three guys he listed, we'll just pick Abraham because he's the farthest back. And <laughs> yeah. he, didn't ha- he didn't have the writings of Moses or anything. Yeah. Um, if we think about the things that Abraham knew and experienced, I think this really helps us to kind of lock down the Old Testament theology of the Trinity. Uh, Abraham knew that there was one true God. He was called by the one true God. Abraham knew that this one true God was going to bless the nations through his lineage, that he made a covenant. Abraham then, later in the story, in Genesis 14, met Melchizedek, and Mm -hmm. he bowed down and paid tithes to Melchizedek, uh, the king of Salem, which some believe Salem is Jerusalem, but uh, Mm -hmm. before. And so, okay, he bowed down and paid tithes to him. That's, you know, pretty interesting. That leads many scholars to think that's a pre-incarnate Jesus. Uh, The angel of the Lord appeared to Hagar, and the angel of the Lord appeared to Abraham directly. In uh, Genesis 22, when Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac, it was the angel of the Lord who called out to Abraham, the same angel of the Lord who called Moses from the burning bush. There were three men who appeared in Genesis 18. They appeared at Abraham's tent, and it says that the Lord appeared to him. So it's likely that, again, you had the Lord and possibly two angels or something, all appearing as men there um, with, with Abraham. And it would be, you know, foolish to suppose that the Holy Spirit wasn't interacting in his life. We don't have a verse that explicitly says that, but I think it would, mm-hmm. we would err on the side of foolishness if we said that 
the Holy Spirit didn't interact with Abraham. And so the doctrine begins in Genesis, even from Genesis 1, builds through the life of Abraham as more and more is revealed. You start looking at these instances, experiences, inspired teachings, and you start seeing it more and more. Um, and then you get to the New Testament and you have monotheistic Jews, you know, Peter, Paul, John, James, the brother of Jesus, and they're all thoroughly Jewish, and they all taught God's singularity and his plurality. Uh, those aspects are there. And um, and so that's kind of how I see that as far as did they understand it the same way we understood or understand it now as a doctrine? No, but do we see it implied? Yes. And I would just tack on as a final note. Um, I don't believe that you have to be able to articulate the Trinity to be able to articulate the gospel. I don't believe mm-hmm. the doctrine of the Trinity is part of the gospel message. However, mm-hmm. if a person comes to reject the doctrine of the Trinity, I don't believe that person can say that he's a Christian. I, I think if you mm-hmm. reject the Trinity, you're rejecting Christianity. So mm-hmm. here's my long answer. Yeah. Um, so with that in mind, um, if, if someone asks you, do you believe that Abraham was a Trinitarian, how would, how would you answer that question? I would ask in what sense? In the Nicene sense? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yes, so go ahead. Uh, that's what I would well, ask, yeah, you, I guess. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it'd be clear from a, from a creedal or historical sense, the answer would probably be no, right? Uh, that, you know, he was not a Nicene Trinitarian. Right. Would you say then that Abraham was... Uh, unconsciously a trinitarian or or had a you know i I think you would affirm that he had a concept of god's plurality and Mm -hmm. singularity Mm -hmm. um but uh so yeah uh would that make him like a soft trinitarian or or should you know is that language perhaps too uh not useful in this context yeah, I mean, on the one hand, I would say it's not super useful because we're speculating. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we could do that all day long. Um, yeah. But on the other hand, I mean, there are some indications, and this isn't with Abraham directly, but that instance with Hagar. Mm-hmm. So it says, the angel of the Lord appeared to Hagar. This is Genesis 16. And the angel of the Lord tells her, I'm going to multiply your descendants. That's verse 10. Uh, goes on to say, you know, I have a little poem that the angel of the Lord says to her. And then it says in verse 13, then she called the name of the Lord Yahweh, who spoke Mm -hmm. to her, you are a God who sees. And yet the instances before that was angel of the Lord. And that's Mm -hmm. distinguished from the Lord. Yet at the same time, the angel of the Lord is the same as the Lord. I believe the angel of the Lord is the pre-incarnate Jesus in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And um, there's some indication right there in that story that they're grasping something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And... And we have to give all the credit that to God that apparently his spirit was doing something in them to help them understand. Uh, Like when those three men showed up uh, at Abraham's Mm -hmm. tent, I believe that he did believe that the Lord was there Mm -hmm. and we don't have a ton of detail. We wish we did, but we know at least that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Historically as well. um, And and I think back to uh, in particular the early centuries of uh, of Christianity or or throughout Christian history, um, it seems like you know there's been various uh, Jewish or Muslim commentators who, in reflecting upon the Trinity, uh, have considered it a violation of monotheism. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you know referring to it as as just you know polytheism or you know 
saying that there's semantics at play. Um, you know, I don't think we need to get into the specific arguments and, and the apologetics back and forth there. But um, what what might you say to, you know, uh, a contemporary Jew who, you know, by, by your own admission, right, uh, it, it's your view that the Old Testament implies the Trinity but doesn't explicitly teach it. And it's the New Testament that explicitly teaches the Trinity, right? Yeah, the, yeah, the so, incarnation is kind of the hinge yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it seems like, you know, Christology is, you know, the key here, right? Um, and so, you know, how, how might you respond to a contemporary Jew uh, that might, you know, con- might uh, take issue or accuse you of, of reading the Trinity into the Old Testament, right? Mm-hmm. Um, essentially engaging in a, a form of eisegesis or, um, yeah, yeah. you know, how, how much you respond to something like that? So, uh, you know, the first place to start is that the Bible is monotheistic, but it is not Unitarian. So mm-hmm. Unitarian being the view that God is one and God is one person. Mm-hmm. We believe that the Bible is monotheistic, God is one, but it's Trinitarian that God is three persons. And yeah. that, of course, um, to a Jewish person, you know, uh, that doesn't sound like anything. It sounds like you were saying semantics or made up stuff, yeah. but, but we have mm-hmm. to recognize that there's a difference between essence and person. I mean, d- definitionally, mm-hmm. those are two different words with two different meanings. And the presentation in Scripture, even confined to the Hebrew Scripture, is that God is one in essence, yet plural in persons. And mm-hmm. um, the first book of the Bible that was written was likely Job, uh, chronologically mm-hmm. speaking. And Job says in Job 33, I think, something like that, he says, the spirit of the Lord God made me. Mm-hmm. Now, the only one who has creative power and authority is God himself. And it doesn't say God himself, it says the spirit of the Lord. And, mm-hmm. and you look at uh, passages like Psalm 110, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And uh, Psalm 45 also is another uh, key one. And we see this kind of teased out and not teased out. That's what you do with girl's hair. You see it unpacked in uh, uh, the book of Hebrews in uh, Psalm 45, verse six. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you. Uh, Mm -hmm. You see that language in there, and there's something going on where it's not Unitarian as far as one person, but uh, there's a plurality of persons even in the Hebrew Scripture. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. And, and with your statement earlier as well, um, that it's, it's not your position that one needs to, you know, completely understand the Trinity or articulate fully the Trinity in order to sufficiently, you know, have a, have a understanding or a saving belief of the gospel. Um, Would you consider there to be like a distinct difference then uh, between contemporary Jews and ancient Jews, right? Where it would be your, uh, I guess, from what you've said, you know, individuals such as Moses, Abraham, and others uh, might've had, you know, uh, an implicit, understanding of uh the plurality of persons uh but you know present jews you know because they have christians to dialogue with in hearing the plurality of persons 
would disagree with that or, you know, would say, I don't understand the personhood of God in the same way that you do. So um, like ontologically, do you consider modern Jews to perhaps worship a different God uh, than, um, you know, contemporary Christians? And, you know, is that also not the case with uh, ancient Jews? Um, Yeah. Yeah, For anybody who rejects now on this side of the incarnation, anybody who rejects that Jesus was God in flesh, we have to say fundamentally that those people worship a different God. Okay. And um, yeah, I mean, you take the Jews of Jesus day, for instance, we see their understanding of the ontology of God when mm-hmm. um, in John 10, they pick up stones because they thought he was making himself out, out equal to be God, which I believe that's what he was, what he was doing, or he made himself to be equal with God. This is how I should mm-hmm. phrase that. And uh, so they, they thought, okay, well, that's blasphemy. Um, no man can be God. God can't take on, you know, flesh. This guy can't be God himself. Before Abraham was, I am, John eight fifty eight. when he identified with the Tetragrammaton, the, the name mm-hmm. Yahweh, that was blasphemy in their eyes. And so they, those Jews certainly did not see it possible that at least Jesus standing in front of them could be a person of the Godhead. And of course, Jews today are Jewish um, religiously because they also reject that Jesus could have been God. And uh, yeah, so to say, okay, now would Abraham, Moses, and David, if they were alive in Jesus's day, would they have submitted to him and followed him like the 12 disciples or would they have picked up stones like the Pharisees? What was their their view on the Trinity that would have allowed them to do this or that? And um we see that God working in their lives was bringing about anything good that they did. Therefore um, God's grace would have allowed them to be disciples from, from my view. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, going to the example you gave of the Jews that rejected Jesus, right. Um, That group, would you consider them to be, uh, you know, uh, I guess, uh, like, correct representatives of the Jewish religion at the time and prior, or were the Jews that accepted Jesus, uh, such as his disciples, uh, were they the ones actually espousing a, you know, a a quote unquote true Judaism because they, you know, um, they didn't reject the idea that God would come to them in human form. Right. Yeah. Um, Uh, We see if you take the whole of Israel's history, Never, ever was there a, a true majority who really had it all figured out and was devoted yeah. to God, right? Mm-hmm. And even, even the ones that we look at who seem to really do well and to get it and were committed, like those guys you mentioned, Abraham, uh, Dave, uh, Moses, and David, they weren't great people. Uh, two of them were murderers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 66% mm-hmm. of them were, were murderers. And so uh, what we have to recognize is that God was really just carrying along a remnant. Uh, as Paul said, not all Israel is of Israel. And you look at what Jesus mm-hmm. said to the Pharisees in Matthew 23, when he just put them on blast, they did not get it. They were not accurate representatives of true Israelite theology. Uh, they mm-hmm. didn't understand the way they should understand. And uh, who did uh, in all of Israel's history? And we, mm-hmm. I don't think I would have done any better. Uh, it was all mm-hmm. up to God doing all the work, which is why he, he had to come in the flesh to do all the work for us, not just in salvation, but in our understanding that we would rely on him and our understanding of the New Testament and the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Um, that, that's all the questions that I have for that, that section. I appreciate your responses. Um, and I think this next question, also the final question um, or, or topic, right, uh, should kind of bring us full circle because mm -hmm. I think your response to question, you know, the, the first subject uh, will be very relevant here yeah. too. 